welcome to another podcast from Fire Church Ministries. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Daniel Hagen. Praise God. So, uh, good things on the horizon. This could possibly be the biggest uh, ecumenical evangelistic event maybe since the 1960s. Uh, we've been praying, God, do it again. What you did in those days, do it again and even greater. And so far, I want to report that it is going amazing. That There are so many people, thousands of people all around the country are registering, are preparing. We've, uh, we just spoke to our European team and there's going to be an outreach. So November 16, 17 and 18 are the three main days in the actual Etihad Stadium. By the way, you know now it's going to be called the Marvel Stadium. It's changing its name which is really amazing because Marvel means to astonish in wonder or to be astonished in wonder. And we believe that uh, that's been uh, named appropriately because God is going to really begin to, He's going to knock the roof off that place. It does have a roof, by the way, and uh, we're going to blow it up and Jesus is going to have His way. We're going to see thousands of people saved. What we've been seeing in Europe is going to happen in Australia, and uh, which is great, but my role... As the director on the ground in Australia, is not just to put on an event and gather crowds, but to help equip the churches because we don't just want this to be an event that fizzles out. This is an event that supports local churches, that fires up every believer, everyday believers to be reaching out on an everyday basis, everyday evangelism, and lifestyle discipleship. When you say the person next to you, everyday evangelism, and lifestyle discipleship. We believe that in this time, in this season, now we've seen God do amazing things through specific people that have believed, that have prayed. For example, uh, Evan Roberts in, in Wales. He was a man that prayed for 13 years. And uh, he said, God, he saw the coldness of that region. He saw that hearts were cold towards God. The attendance in churches in, in the area of Wales was declining, was decreasing. And, uh, and Evan prayed and believed for God to move. And, and if you look at that revival history, you see a lot of the attention was put on Evan Roberts as this man that really ushered in this revival. And in a short period of time, 100,000 souls were saved. Really interesting that the actual Mariah Chapel of had the great privilege of visiting that place. It, was only, it only seats around 500 people. And yet in a short amount of time, 100,000 souls were swept in. So it started in the Moriah Chapel, but then every chapel, every church was affected by what God was doing in that region. Isn't that amazing? And uh, so one of the things that we are really believing for is unity amongst churches. Because when the tide rises, all the churches need to be prepared for the great harvest, amen, and all the boats rise when the tide rises. So uh, I believe gone are the days of these insecurities, these, uh, this competition, the tall poppy syndrome where we, you know, we, we have to be the ones. No, we want everyone to be involved in what God is doing in this season and this hour, uh, not just Australian Christian churches, not just our movement or our denomination. We want to see all denominations uh, affected by the goodness of God, by what God's doing in this day. So I believe that in this season, this move of God, which I personally believe is the last end time move of God, we're, we're coming back 
to Israel, where uh, Jesus said to, uh, in Acts 1.8, he said, you'll receive power uh, to go into Judea, to be witnesses into Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. I believe that we're a fulfillment of that, Australia, New Zealand, and now we're heading back to Israel, and it's the final move, the last end time move of God. Whatever your eschatology is, I believe if you turn the news on, you just see the the rise in in uh, in destruction, in uh, the rumors of wars, all these different clues and things that point to the fact that we are for sure in the last days. And like Chell said, that she had a dream, and uh, and I think Maxine had a dream on the same night about time and how we don't have much time, and we need to be continually re- remembering that we don't have much time on this earth. Time goes so quick, man. Time goes so quick, and what are we living for? What are we using that valuable commodity for? Let your first goal be to win a soul, I say. And everything we do should be centered around that, winning people to Jesus, getting as many people into the party in heaven as we possibly can. And obviously, we've got many things on this earth that we can do. We've got giftings and talents and abilities. But I think it all needs to revolve around the ministry of reconciliation. Be the best you can as a doctor. Be the best you can as a reporter, as a musician, whatever your gifting is. But make sure that you're remembering that you're gifted for a reason. And that is to bring impact, to bring influence, to bring the kingdom into that sphere, into that area, to show people the goodness of God that leads to repentance. Amen? So... uh, it's really, really interesting to see that footage in, in Europe and what God has been doing in Nuremberg, in Stockholm, in Prague, 2% Christian in Prague, and yet the stadium was filled and thousands of people got saved. The biggest church is only 150 people in Prague, never really recovered from communism, and yet on one day, over 1,000 people got saved in one meeting. And so more than what the biggest church is. And so God can just do anything in a moment if we'll believe. There's no area that's too hard for God. There's no person, there's no family member in your family that's too hard for God. Did you know that? But we've got to believe. We've got to continue to press, continue to knock, continue to pray. I believe one of the fruits of faith is consistency and persistency. Is that a word? To be persistent and consistent. That sounds better. And so when you see people living like that, to me, that's the evidence of faith. Faith without works is dead. Someone that has faith for a season and then backs off, it's not really faith. They've allowed doubt to come back in. But we have to keep pressing, keep believing, keep going. And in a moment, anything can change. One obvious example of that, like in terms of the world news, trending topics, is the amazing meeting recently of Kim Jong-un. Is that how you pronounce his name? Ung. And uh, I had his nickname in my head that Donald Trump nicknamed him, but I might not say that. Uh, But Donald Trump and Kim met in Singapore. Now, it wasn't all that long ago that that would just seem so impossible that two people that potentially are going to bring on World War III and nuclear war and all these different rumors, in one moment, anything can change. Now, South Korea and North Korea are meeting, and, uh, and now there's rumors that they're slowly allowing Christianity to come into North Korea. There have been so many people praying for that. 
So anything can change in a moment, but God's looking for people that are willing to step out and to say, God, I want to be a part of the change. I don't just want to talk about the change. I want to be a part of the change. I want to be used as a vessel to help bring about change in my world, in my area of influence. Amen? And God doesn't need perfect people. Donald Trump's probably a, a prime example of that. I'm certainly a prime example of that. Many of you would probably say, I'm a prime example of that. Uh, we don't, God doesn't need perfect people. He's just looking for willing vessels, for vessels that will say yes, vessels that realize that we can't do anything without God. We need Him. Amen? And as I said before, in this move, I believe one of the key differences is that now God's pointing and now we're actually starting to understand how it should have always been, that every believer is going to be involved in this move of God. Every believer needs to be involved in this harvest. The harvest is so ripe, so, so ripe. But Jesus said, he didn't say pray that the harvest would become more ripe. He said pray that there'd be more laborers for the harvest. The harvest is so ripe, but not one key evangelist can bring this harvest in. We need laborers. We need every believer taking up the sickle and saying, I'm involved in the harvest. Amen? And that's one of the big key uh, areas that Awakening, the Ministry of Awakening Australia, it's one of the things that we want to help do is to fan into flame, is to equip every believer to pick up the call on their life and begin to win souls for Jesus. Amen? The Ministry of Reconciliation. So, Ben and I, Ben's an Aussie, and uh, he's based in Europe, and we started ministry together. Did you know we started in Frankston many, many years ago? We met in a small Baptist home group, and uh, he came to share his testimony. We were saved around a similar time out of a similar background, both messed up, strung out on drugs and messed up in the mind and all sorts of crazy stuff that we were involved in. And uh, we met, and he shared his testimony, and from that point, we became friends. Now, we were pretty green, we were pretty rough around the edges, and some say we still are, but God can use the foolish, amen? But we didn't have a pulpit to preach, we didn't have a stadium to preach, we didn't have uh, really any influence at all, we're just young, young bucks that are just radically saved, and you know, our first thought was not to try and get a pulpit, not to try and preach in a church. Our first thought was just to love the one in front of us. And so Frankston was actually the first town and a town that we would consistently together go to to see God move, not in the churches, on the streets. No one knew us, but Jesus did. And we would go out and we would reach the most broken of broken of broken people. And uh, some of the miracles that we saw in Frankston were more notable than anywhere else. Interesting, that's one of the reasons that I've always had this place in my heart for Frankston and this region is because of those early miracles that we saw some 14, 15 years ago. I remember one, one time, almost tripped over your base uh, thing there, bro. One time um, we were in... 
the mall area near where Gloria Jeans is now in Frankston. You guys know what, it's called Shannon's Mall. You guys know where that is? We were there and, oh, is that the coffee? You legend. How am I going for time? I get carried away with storytelling sometimes. We're doing communion this morning, aren't we? Who's ready for communion this morning? We're going to do that at the end of this service. It's going to be great. So we're in the Shannon Mall, just saved. Uh, we hadn't done Bible college. Uh, we didn't know all the answers. We hadn't studied all that much. But what we did have was a transformed life. What we did have was a, a testimony. And so we were out there looking for the worst of the worst, actually looking for anyone, really. But we loved the worst of the worst. We, we had, uh, obviously, a place in our heart for the real broken because that's what we were. That's what we were coming out of. And I remember one time there was a gentleman that was approaching us that was coming towards us and he had blood all over his face. Now, Frankston's changing, but, and, and the reputation of Frankston is changing. How many people know that, that believe that? But some 14 years ago, it was pretty notorious. And this guy had just been mugged, blood all over his face. He'd been robbed. And we try to stop him and say, hey, man, can we pray for you? And he goes, I don't want that Jesus stuff, man. I've just been robbed. Leave me alone. I've just lost my rent money. I was meant to pay rent. Now, now it looks like I might get kicked out of my uh, the share house where he's staying. Just leave me alone. And, and we... We were a little bit like, because we'd just been saved. And we're like, man, you need to know Jesus. And we pushed in a little more and we stopped him. And I think just because of our persistency and consistency, <laughs> uh, he allowed us to, to pray for him. And, he's, and he realized, I've got nothing to lose and I'll just let them pray for me. And so we were praying and we were saying, God, give him back his money. Like we're praying these big faith prayers. We just, we believe that God could do anything. How many people still believe that God can do anything in a moment? If you'll believe, let me tell you, you'll see things. If you'll step out in risk and faith, you'll see things. He's just wanting people to step out in risk and faith. You don't need to have it all together. Faith can move a mountain. Amen. So praying for this guy, one of the most craziest miracles I've ever seen still today. I haven't seen God ever do it again. And, uh, but it was, it's marked me. It, it marked me as a young believer. And it's, I still remember it like it was yesterday. So we prayed for him. And I felt like, as I had my eyes closed, and we both got our hands on his shoulders, and I felt like a rush of wind came through. But it wasn't windy. And it was like we're in a mall area. It's not like out in the open where wind can come through. And but it, it's, it was so strong, the wind, that it caused my eyes to open. And as I opened my eyes, in fact, we all did around the same time as we're praying, a brand new crisp $50 bill and $10 bill appeared in midair. I'm, I'm for real. I, I promise you. The fear of the Lord, man, I would not lie to you. I'm not making this up or, or putting the evangelistic spin on it. It, it was for real. A brand new, fifth, and it like just in front of our eyes, and like maple leaves begin to fall right in front of our eyes like this. There's brand new Christians. We're praying, God, give him back his money. Just been robbed. And he saw that, and man, he was jumping up and down like a, 
like a kangaroo. It was, oh my God. And uh, it was wild. But here's the thing. I, I remember thinking, God, that's amazing. And we're jumping up and down like, a miracle! But I'm thinking, why only a 50 and a 10? Because it wasn't enough to pay his rent. And I'm like, God, come on, what, what is happening here? And we said, let's pray again. Maybe he'll do, so, he'll do something else. And so we, we did. We prayed again. And this time, around 30 seconds into that prayer, his phone rang. And he, so he stopped to, to answer the phone. Now, he's really hyped up at this stage because of what he just saw. We all are. Answers his phone, and it's his father. Now, we find out later that he hadn't spoken to his father for years. They'd have a falling out. And he's like ranting a bit down the phone saying, Dad, I just, he's telling the whole story. I just got mugged. And, and, uh, and these crazy Christians come up to me, prayed, and the money appeared out of nowhere. And I'm sure his dad must have been thinking, my goodness, I'm glad I called. His dad, he said he felt like he just needed to ring to see if everything was okay. So his dad heard this story. And his dad said, son, I'm going to give you the rest of the money to make up the difference to be able to pay your rent. And so in that moment, not only was there a miracle, but then God, because you see, God's omnipresent. He's everywhere. And in that moment, he moved on his, as we're praying, because prayer causes God to move. He likes to co-labor with our prayers. So in that moment, God, the Holy Spirit, who's omnipresent, all-knowing, all-powerful, moved on his father's heart. His father just, just happened to feel to call at that moment. And so not only was there a miracle, a sign and a wonder that caused us to just say, God, you are amazing. But not only that, he restored the relationship between father and son. And then we were able to lead that young man to Jesus. And uh, yeah, praise God. Come on. So we would see just phenomenal miracles taking place in Frankston. One time we, we prayed for this girl in, the, in a very similar spot. And we, we were learning to cast out demons. Well, I certainly was. I, I was learning big time. I was on the fast track of uh, just learning about the supernatural. And we weren't trying too hard or anything. We were fasting and praying and we were really hungering for God to move. But we didn't know a whole lot. And I remember just holding hands with this girl, praying for her. And literally within three seconds of praying for her, like she was struggling with all sorts of things, this black spew just began to come out of her. As we were praying, like within three or four seconds, black spew come out everywhere and she was delivered of a demonic spirit, delivered of depression, anxiety in one moment. Isn't that amazing? Jesus, come on. Another time we were speaking to some alcoholics near the beach area in the park in Frankston. And... uh, a guy pulled a knife on us because he didn't want to hear about Jesus. This guy was definitely for real. We found out that he'd been in prison uh, previous, and uh, his friends took off when, they, when he pulled the knife out because they knew that he was for real. And uh, he even took one swing at us with the knife, and we, we took a step back. But I watched Ben use his authority that he was learning in Christ, say, in the name of Jesus, I command you to put that knife in the bin. It's like... The, the rage that was uh, on the forefront of his mind, like it just lifted off. I almost saw it in his face. His spirit just began to lift off. And 
it's like he, for a moment he realized, what am I doing pulling a knife on these guys? They don't hate me. They're just trying to tell me about the love of God. And in a moment he had clarity, put the knife in the bin and then we were able to lead him to Jesus. This guy tats all over him. He's kneeling in Frankston on the grass, putting his hands in the air saying, Jesus, forgive me. These tears streaming down his face. Jesus, forgive me. We were able to take him to Mark, Mark Whitby's church and he began to get some Bible study. A little while later, he actually found out that he passed away, that he died. So we got there just in time. And he's in heaven now. And he's probably cheering us on going, thank you, yes, keep going. So I share those testimonies for a few reasons, to stir you up about this city. I believe that, and as I said, there were some of the most sovereign, notable miracles that we still talk about today took place here in Frankston. We weren't leaders. We were only new Christians. But something had happened. We were provoked. We were stirred in our heart just to reach the everyday person that was in front of us. And nothing's changed now. Uh, our, our, our role has changed a little bit more where we're helping equip every believer to live like this. Amen. I believe that God wants to, every believer to live a supernatural life, to be reaching out to the everyday person around you. What I want everyone to do now, I just, I saw this in the spirit. This is our nine o'clock service. We have an 11 o'clock service. We've only been into this a few months now. And uh, so I, I actually like the intimate setting, but at the same time, I'm like, God, I want to see this nine o'clock service grow. And so all of us nine o'clock uh, believers, we're responsible for uh, this service. We're responsible for the people in our life. Uh, this generation of believers is responsible for this generation of souls. Amen. I'm going to ask us to do something a little different. I want you to stand to your feet. And I, I want to peel off those black uh, cloths off those back seats. I want you to make your way, all believers to make their way, and I want you to stand near an empty seat down the back there, okay? So make your way. Let's peel off those black curtains. This is a visual, like a, a point of faith, a point of contact for faith, a visual. I want you to pick a seat. prophetically pick a seat. Not for you to sit in, but for you to pray for. Everyday believers, lifestyle discipleship, all of us responsible for this generation of souls, for our region, for our city in Frankston. What stops us as believers from reaching out to the people around us? Is it wrong teaching? Have you been taught that, no, that's just for the evangelist, that's, that's not my call? Is it apathy? Has your heart just become a little colder? That first love fire, that new believer fire. Remember what it was first like when you got saved? Or do you remember what it was like, like what Chelsea said before about how everyone's an evangelist for something. Like everyone's passionate about something, preaching something. 
What are you most passionate about? Remember when you first fell in love. You told all your friends when you got engaged. You posted that ring and you told everyone you were so proud of that moment. Have we lost that fire, that passion? Has apathy been able to creep in where we've we've stopped to realize how urgent this season is, how urgent this time is? Is it fear, the fear of man? The Bible says the fear of man is a snare or is a trap. In other words, keeps us in our shell, keeps us in our cage. We're so worried about what people think. And if we step out in the workplace, we're worried about our reputation that we've been trying to build for so long. There was a pastor friend of mine who's on the national board for the CRC, a a large Pentecostal movement in Australia, many churches that he helps oversee. He's an author. He has uh, many different degrees in theology. He teaches in multiple Bible schools, travels all over Australia and internationally to preach and teach the Word of God. Yet he shared a story with me that one time he was in a in a workplace scenario and he was at the water cooler and he was next to someone who was a Catholic or was a claimed to be a Catholic and they were just chatting away and getting a drink of water and the Catholic man said to him look I'm all good with God and the concept of God but I'm not sure about this Jesus thing so he wasn't born again he said I'm not sure about Jesus being the only way Now, this doctor in theology, this teacher and preacher, this author in that moment froze with fear, was intimidated to step out and to share why Jesus is the only way. Even though he, in this environment, in the church environment, he's flowing, he's teaching, but getting around someone that he didn't know in in a workplace environment all of a sudden he's not bold just to be himself and to teach. How many people know that the enemy wants to stop you from being yourself, being afraid of what people think? He's fixed that now. Actually, he did some, he made some big, big changes in his life to, to change that. He's like, oh man, I'm not, I'm not being afraid to, to share the gospel anymore. I'm not being afraid, even though I might not be an evangelist, I'm, I'm going to share my faith with everyone every day. Amen? Are we provoked in our spirit? When you see the loss, when you see that our city is given over to idols, our city is given over to addiction, are you, or people in your family, are you consistently praying for them? Are you persistent? Are you believing? Is eternity on the forefront of your mind? I know all of us can improve. I can. I'm, I'm looking at this, letting the Word be like a mirror, and I'm, I'm, I'm preaching, but I'm also preaching. It's a two-edged sword, one for you, one for me, and we all need it, amen, in various stages, in various times. So what I want to ask you to do is just lay your hands on a seat, and I want to challenge all of us. Say, so we're responsible for this generation of souls. We're responsible for the people that we influence, for the area that we influence. Lifestyle discipleship, everyday evangelism. Are we reaching out to the people around us? Are we, have we become apathetic? Have we become fearful? Are we provoked in our spirit 
like maybe we once were. Maybe you, you never have been because of maybe wrong teaching. You've been taught it's not your job. I want to say that every believer is responsible for the people around you. Acts 1.8 says, you shall receive power. If that power is for you, then so is the responsibility. Responsibility, interesting word. Not always popular, but it's a powerful word. If you think about it, by God's grace, He's given you an ability. How many people believe that? But the ability comes from grace. The gift comes from grace. But what is your response to that ability? And that's what we're talking about today. Responsibility is not a heavy word. It's your response. It's your yes, the yes in your heart to the ability, the free ability that He's given you, the power invested in you. Jesus paid the ultimate price. So I want to take a moment now to pray, and then we're going to take communion together and remember what Jesus did. But let's pray for the people in your life, that you'll be able to impact them, disciple them, and let's see this. Let's see the community in Frankston, the people in your life, in church, planted, being discipled, their families changed, their lives changed by the power of the gospel. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We think of Ephesians 4.11, the role of the fivefold ministry, to equip every believer, the saints, for the work of the ministry, the ministry of reconciliation. So we pray, God. We pray, God, in Jesus' name. You know, I remember as a team, a leadership team, when we first started here, it was just the first section of the of uh, the church was uh, was being used. In the, in the back section, when we first started, was, was covered with black cloths. And then our leadership team would pray, God, fill these seats, fill these seats. And honestly, not long after, God began to fill the back seats. And this is one of the reasons we had to go to double services because it was becoming too full. And, uh, and now we have the chance to say, God, do it again. Fill these back seats. Fill these back seats, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Lord, we want to pray for our unsafe family and friends. We want to pray for the community, for the people in our workplace, for the people on the streets, for the down and out, for the broken. Father, we want to see miracles. Pour out your spirit, radical signs and wonders and miracles to reveal your glory, to reveal your goodness. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Holy Spirit. Lord, don't let me leave it to somebody else. Don't let me leave it to somebody else. Let me respond to the ability that you've given me. Responsibility in Jesus' name. Let me be provoked and stirred in my spirit in Jesus' name. Let me be moved with compassion like Jesus was moved with compassion. Let me not fear man. Let, not, let me not become apathetic. Let me not have my priorities messed up. Lord, let me rearrange things to line back up with your will that I would for sure seek first the kingdom of God and, and your righteousness in Jesus' name. Lord, I, I believe that the harvest is absolutely ripe and I want to be a laborer. I want to be a laborer for the harvest in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everyone say amen. Thanks for listening to another message from Fire Church Ministries. For more messages like this one or other resources and information, you can check out our website at firechurch.com.au.